0: Hello and welcome, this is the Bariatric Eating Real Talk podcast, and I'm Susie Shaw. If you're new to our podcast, Bariatric Eating is more than just talk. We support nearly a million post-ops in our Facebook-based support groups, which you can join if you'd like after you listen. I'll tell you where to find us at the end of the episode. We've created the most successful plan for bariatric regain on the planet. There's not a doctor's program or hospital plan or anyone who's addressed regain and the regain crisis with anywhere near our success rate. Thousands of people have used our inspired Diet along with our help and our support to take their lives back, even when it seemed like things were hopeless. Those who help you in our groups are post-ops. We've had Regain, so we know how it feels, but we also lost that Regain, and we can help you b- find your way back into those smaller clothes that are in your closet. We have specific tools for you. We can help you set goals, help you create food lists. We even have meals for you to cook and eat and our own product line. We go beyond just ideas and help you in real time with real tools that really work. Our support is made up of people who are just like me and collectively we've spent the past 20 years helping post-ops lose regain and learn to change their habits so the weight stays off for good and I'm pretty sure we can help you too. So let's get started. I'm just going to dive in with this one today. I've got a few things that I want to debunk, um, kind of myths and rumors that are always floating around. As you know, we've been around in the bariatric community and the weight loss surgery community for over 20 years. We were actually one of the first online resources for post-ops and we've helped more people than any other doctor on the planet. Between this and the fact that we're post-ops too, we've got some insight that few programs have, and that's why we also see more success with our the people that are in our programs than any other program. These are things that we know to be true, not only because it makes sense on paper, but because we've seen the negative and positive sides of the journey. We've worked with enough post-ops to get why these are a reality for the majority of post-ops. So I want you to buckle up, have a seat. Let's have some fun with this, Okay. The first one is the most common. And honestly, it starts in most post-op's initial seminar or your consult with their doctor or surgeon. It's that one phrase, everything in moderation. And it breaks down that, um, you know, that's the way we're supposed to eat after surgery, moderation. And yes, from a normal person who doesn't have a fat brain and never had to lose more than 50 pounds, that would be the smart way to go about life. But frankly speaking, if everything in moderation was something we were wired to do and do well, we wouldn't have needed surgery. Sadly, if you want to do more than just lose the weight, if you want to actually keep that weight off long term, you're going to have to draw some hard lines in the sand and say no to problematic foods. And this is especially true for when we're in social situations and on the weekends or on vacation. A lot of us tend to cope with those ideas by thinking we can do things like peel the pizza toppings off the crust or, you know, remove the crispy skin off fried chicken. And really, that's not the way to do it. We have to find new foods that we like to eat and that we actually enjoy eating. We have to find new ways to cope with social events. And we also have to find a new relationship with food. Remember that you also had the surgery to live a normal life. You didn't do this to stick out in the crowd. You have to learn that it's more than fine to order the burger without a bun or to ask for a salad when everybody else is having pizza. And you don't owe anybody an explanation why you want to eat what you want to eat. But if you start picking the breading off mozzarella sticks the group ordered, you're absolutely going to get some looks and some questions from people. And while you don't owe anyone an explanation for how you choose to eat, it is kind of awkward when people ask you why you choose to eat the way you do. So understand that tempting yourself with the things you know you can't put down or resist isn't going to help you in the long run. Even if you tell yourself, just this once, just a bite, I deserve it, just a treat, I'll get back on track tomorrow. Again, that's one of those things that we tell ourselves when we talk about moderation. I can handle this just this once, but that's why moderation doesn't work because we just aren't wired to think that way. The second thing is that we think we're hungry or we want to eat, and that's not hunger. Sorry, hunger isn't a thought. It's a physical sensation. Hunger comes from our bodies, but hunger that comes from you remembering that you've got cookies in the pantry or because you're bored, that's emotional hunger. It's often sometimes habitual hunger, like you know how you need a snack at bedtime. You didn't get hungry at bedtime magically. You've taught yourself that you have to have a snack at bedtime, and now you've gotten your hunger signals mixed up because you want food, not because you need food. Now, our last episode covered emotional hunger in a lot of detail, and at the end of this episode today, I'll tell you where to find an article about hunger cues, and you should always go back and listen to previous episodes if you want, but this whole wanting to eat thing is often called head hunger. Sometimes people even call it fat brain, but it's made from your thoughts. It didn't just hit you randomly. You created head hunger, and you created your own fat brain through your previous actions. And it's truly possible to beat those things if you want to, and if you want to do the work to do it. We've talked about that in other episodes. The third thing we're going to debunk today is um, a little bit tricky, but it stems from a lifetime of overeating to the point where we became obese, and some of us even more than obese. But it's a myth that we only stop eating when we are full, when we feel stuffed, when we can physically feel the food in our bellies. And I want to caution Everyone listening, that a lot of people think that post surgery, the stop signal that we look for is full. We want that. Um, a lot of people talk about not having enough restriction when they eat, but it's actually quite the opposite. You're not supposed to be looking for restriction. You should be looking for full or stuffed. Um, And earlier I mentioned that we have another article that covers hunger. This actually covers this concept too. And also it's covered in episode 17 where we talk about hunger and and, um, stop signals. But if you're eating to the point where you literally cannot have another bite and you feel physically uncomfortable, you are eating way too much, way too fast. And the reason I add in this, the part about how fast you're eating is because you've eaten too fast to notice that your surgical tool told you when you're actually supposed to stop eating. And we're supposed to eat to be satisfied, not full. But again, if you're curious about that, go back and listen to episode 17 and then that article, and I'll mention at the end of the episode where to find that article. Fourth, and this trips up a lot of people when they first start our Inspire diet, but it's a huge myth that that a protein shake needs to be gigantic and thick and rich to be satisfying. The drink itself isn't actually what helps us with our hunger. It's the actual protein that's inside that drink. And that's why we recommend Inspire and Believe, because it's engineered to be the best kinds of protein for your body, which means that your body actually gets it and can absorb it quickly. So you feel, you don't feel hungry anymore You get satisfied from it. But you have to think about it. The way you would think about the difference between eating a small sandwich, like the kind that you make at home with two slices of bread and a slice of like ham, and not a foot long from Subway, and eating Thanksgiving dinner. A sandwich and Thanksgiving dinner will both take care of your hunger, but only one leaves you physically uncomfortable where you kind of just want to sit back and like unzip your pants. I think we've all been there, right? So to take this one step further, our meals aren't supposed to make us full. They're supposed to make you satisfied. And that's why protein drinks are so ideal for post ops, especially new post ops. And specifically, Inspire is ideal because it's the perfect kind of protein that your body can suck up rapidly and provide lasting fuel that doesn't burn out quickly, but it's also thin and easy for post ops who are brand new and can't physically drink a lot or drink very thick things. Now, When you're a new post-op and when you're a long-term post-op, you may not feel stuffed after you have a protein drink, but you won't be physically hungry for a few hours. Inspire turns off hunger without making us physically uncomfortable while making sure that we get what our bodies need so you can keep your overall calories for the day lower. Remember, that's how we lose weight in the end, from the calorie deficit. So think about that when you're drinking a protein shake. It's not supposed to fill you up and make you feel stuffed because that's not a sensation we're supposed to be looking for after weight loss surgery. And if you're dealing with cravings in between your meals, it's not that you're hungry. It's that you think you need a snack. You want a snack. It's all kind of like a big cycle. The fifth thing, and this is something we've addressed in a couple episodes too, um, is that every meal... Needs to have multiple side dishes, and it must have a dessert. And I'm sorry on this one, and mostly because this is this is how I grew up eating. But every meal doesn't have to be Thanksgiving or a testimony to your vast amount of recipes in your arsenal and your amazing cooking skills. We've got an article. Um, that goes about this in detail but i'd say about 5 meals out of 7 every week if not more than that should be simple fast meals that you cook very quickly in your home remember the formula that we've talked about before in previous episodes a meal is just protein and a vegetable side you can absolutely have a reasonable sugar-free dessert on a on a regular basis even while you're losing weight but i want you to remember here that moderation isn't a skill set that we've mastered So try not to keep sugar-free cakes and cookies and all those good stuff around the house, especially if you're trying to lose weight. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I also want to have you start considering that things like Ready Whip or Whipped Cream or even Sugar Free Cool Whip, that's not a staple we're supposed to buy every week. And yeah, even if your sugar free treats are homemade and you're only putting a little whipped cream on your sugar free jello or your sugar free pudding, consider that whipped cream and even sugar free cookies aren't everyday foods, especially when we're trying to lose weight and learn how to keep it off forever we have to start focusing on simple desserts if we like a little bit of a sweet dish after dinner. A small dish of berries or even sugar-free Jello, um, even a, a, a little bit of like no sugar f- added fruit cocktail. If you're struggling with your weight, if you're learning how to keep it off, if you just want to keep it off, those things will satisfy your sweet tooth without adding more than 80 calories a day. You don't need whipped cream, you just think you do. So that brings us to number six. And this one might be kind of hard. I'm not trying to attack anybody personally. Um, But it's a huge myth that there are healthy fast food options or healthy processed meals. And I really do wish that this one wasn't true. But even if you look at even MyFitnessPal or just generic Google searches, you can see that a plain chicken breast at like Chick-fil-A and the one you make in your, ch- in your kitchen have vastly different calories. They just aren't the same. Restaurants of any sort, be it a fast food restaurant or a sit-down restaurant, they add fat, like specifically oils and salt to their foods to make sure that they taste better and they last long longer under high heat lamps or um, they can handle like... Um, high-temperature grills and stoves and stuff like that. Remember, too, that the food you get at the drive-thru probably wasn't cooked to order. It sat there waiting to be sold, just like under a heat lamp or in a steamer or something like that. And, you know, while while fast food can be a, a nice option to use every now and then, most of your meals need to be from fresh foods take a look at our website and I'll remind you where to find us specifically at the end of the episode but we have so many great and easy meals that don't require multiple ingredients they don't require hours in the kitchen and weird things that you can only get at one grocery store that's only open till two o'clock in the afternoon or something crazy like that but you've got to break up with fast food or at least make it a semi-annual event it's it's really just better to plan to eat at a restaurant where you can sit down and have a salad or at least meat and veggies and mindfully eat your meal than to go through a drive through and eat out of a bag that also randomly has loose French fries at the bottom of it. Even Superman can't resist those. Don't, don't kid yourself that you'll do it. Um, honestly, we say things like we will just pull off the bun or skip the fries but I promise you, it's a lot like pulling the toppings off pizza that we were talking about earlier. And like I said, Superman isn't strong enough to do those things long term. So keep that in mind. It's, it's not a matter of willpower or, or choices. It's that we're just not wired to make those choices long term. We're just not. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to learn a different way to do it. And We've mentioned this concept before in other episodes, but things are going to change with your motivation level throughout your journey and the amount that you can eat after you've had surgery once you leave that honeymoon phase. You have to draw the line somewhere or you're going to be right back in those pants you once squeezed both of your legs into one leg hole. And I also want you to remember that carbs from the buns or the pizza crust and fries aren't the only issue with fast food. Fat is a problem. Sodium is a problem. Like I said ab- above, or just a minute ago, they get around cooking at super high temperatures and deep frying and, you know, um, having food sit around and wait for you to order it by adding fat to keep it juicy and moist. And salt, well, salt just makes things taste good. The calories at the end of the day are vastly different with the foods that you cook at your home, in your home and in a restaurant and in a fast food restaurant. And it's not in a good way. So when you compare what you can cook at home to what you get when you're at a drive-thru, even a restaurant, it's really just smarter to plan ahead a little bit. Make it a plan to stop eating out so often because you're hurting your own progress. Number seven, and this is going to be another harsh run for a lot of people, but you need to hear this. If your weight loss stopped three months ago and hasn't restarted or six months ago or whenever... It's because of you. And I'm really sad to say, but it's true. And a pill that I've had to swallow a number of times on my own journey. But weight loss is pretty cut and dry thanks to the laws of thermodynamics. And I hate to throw that great big word out there, but that's basically what it is. When we eat too much food, our bodies respond by storing the excess. When we eat less than we need, our bodies respond by burning through that excess. So if you're not losing weight, the first thing you need to do is honestly consider that you are overeating, whether you want, it, want to admit it or not, whether it seems like you're eating a lot or not. And this is where tracking your food comes in handy. But I will also say that in most cases a simple list of the food you had at each meal, you don't even have to get like super technical with calories and portions, just write down every bite, every sip for a few days. I know from experience that if you do that honestly, And if you aren't currently losing weight, but you think you should be, you're doing something wrong. And I know that might hurt and that might sting. And I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news on that one because it's a pill that I've had to swallow, like I just said. But if you're not losing weight and you need to be losing weight and you're trying to lose weight, you're eating or drinking something that you shouldn't be. More people than you realize stop losing weight because they did something small. They did something as small as adding in back Um, like a large sweet tea while they were out running errands, the kind with real sugar. Um, Maybe they were doing that on the way home from the office because they just felt like they needed a little bit of extra, um, extra energy. But those calories from the sugar in the tea add up. You can also take those few days to look at your activity level. And while it's true that you don't have to work out for hours a day and run a 5K every day, it's also true that that slow walk that you take at lunch with your coworker so you can catch up isn't really helping you burn more calories. And I'm not saying to stop that. But you need to be honest about how much you are actually doing physically. Things like climbing the stairs in your own home two or three day- times a day is not exercise. But taking a brisk walk 30 minutes a day where you get a bit out of breath and maybe break a sweat three times a week could be exactly what you need to do just to burn just a couple more calories a week and trigger weight loss again. It's also going to brighten your mood. It's going to help you sleep better and help your heart and your lung health. The benefits of actual exercise, not just movement. I mean, movement's important, but actual exercise are just so valuable to our overall health and wellness. Another thing that we have to acknowledge is that as we get physically smaller in size, the same exercise that we did over, when we were over 350 pounds won't be enough to light up our metabolisms. So you may have to cut back a bit in calories. You may have to add in a little bit of exercise. But I'm talking about here, like, like I just said, about you know adding in a, a brisk walk, so you're a little bit breathless. And by cutting back a little bit in calories, I'm talking about you know, rethink that avocado that you're putting on your salad every day. Rethink dipping your red pepper slices into full fat ranch dressing when you have your snack in the afternoon. Those things may not be serving you now that you're a bit smaller than you were when you started doing those things, when you started adding in those snacks. Even things like swapping your half and half in your coffee for skim milk may be enough of a lower calorie range to jumpstart things again. But you can only find out if you take the time to evaluate where your calories are coming from and not just the sort that you chew. It all counts. Number eight is a little bit controversial because this one is something a lot of people have a really, really hard time conceptualizing when we explain it, but it's that muscle weighs more than fat. And I'm just sorry. A pound of muscle is still one pound. A pound is a pound, but muscle looks different than fat. I want want you to think about it in non-food terms. If you have a pound of feathers, it's going to be a giant fluffy pile, right? What about a pound of pennies? Not nearly as big as those feathers, is it? But each pile still weighs a pound because it was a pound of pennies and a pound of feathers. It's the same thing for fat and muscle. The real issue behind this myth is that people confuse volume, and that's the space that something occupies, with mass, and that's what things actually weigh. Fat takes up more space than muscle. It's still a pound, but that looks bigger than muscle. So when you start working out and put on weight, check your calories. You are probably actually overeating a little bit, or it may just be a no more fluctuation. We cover the scale a little bit in detail in an article that's on our website, and I'll tell you where to find it at the end of the episode. But it's really highly unlikely that you've gained a pound of muscle after two to three workouts, especially if your workouts are cardio-based. It is, however, highly likely that you've added in calories to cover what you burned according to your activity tracker or what you saw on the, on the treadmill, for example, um, and you negated the exercise that you worked hard for and you negated that calorie burn. Part B to this myth always includes starvation mode. A lot of people get mixed up when they start working out. They think that they need to eat back the calories to keep them out of starvation mode. Most people really don't understand starvation mode and how it works and actually what it is. And I don't really want to go too far into it because it's kind of confusing. But um, I want you to think on a very basic level, what starving people look like? They aren't overweight. When you're actually starving, your body doesn't protect itself by storing more calories. Your body will burn the fat that you have for fuel. And it's kind of a fun little tidbit here, but it's um, I guess there's been some studies done recently and apparently it's likely that people who are in normal weight with a normal BMI have enough fat on their bodies to sustain for three to four weeks at a time without any food. And I'll actually like I said, starvation mode's really, really complicated and um, we're actually planning on doing covering this in more depth in a future episode, so I won't go into it too far, but I really want to make the point that people who are actually starving do not have the energy to do it much more than lay in bed. Um, They they barely have the energy to even like swallow their own saliva and stuff like that. So don't worry about eating back the calories you burn to avoid starvation mode. This is where your calorie deficit actually comes into play and where it works. When you're overweight and you burn calories, you burn fat, aka you burn pounds. And remember that by watching what you're eating and actually helping to increase your metabolism by exercising and, and moving, you're actually helping increase that caloric deficit and you'll help to speed up weight loss. And the body's a lot complicated. It really is. But the truth here is that it takes a ton of very consistent and very specific work to build up muscle to the point where you see it on the scale. And you're not going to see that with a cardio only, even if you're you know, running pretty hard and fast. It's the same way that it takes consistent work to lose fat. So just stick with the plan. And if you add in exercise and notice that the scale is moving in the wrong direction, take a, take a time and check your diet, check your hydration, check everything else to make sure that you are actually on point before you think about starvation mode. Because it's really just more likely that you're overeating. The last one that I have a little bit gentler. (laughs) Number nine, this isn't a race. It's going to take you some time to get back to goal if you're a few years out out from surgery or um, get to goal in the first place. Sadly, not everybody rockets to goal within the first year as a post-op. But the truth here is it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there. It matters how long you keep the weight off. And you aren't going to learn how to keep the weight off if you speed up the process and race to get there. We've talked about this in previous episodes, but I can't urge this enough. Please take the time to enjoy the journey. Learn a little bit about yourself. Learn how you think about food. Learn how you can change those thoughts. You might be surprised how things work out in the long run. Give it some time. You're worth the effort. So that's kind of a wrap on that. I hope that all made sense. Um, I'm going to close here. And I want to thank you so much for listening and remind you to come join us on Facebook. We'll hold your hand and help you through this and answer questions and just be at the best cheerleader you've ever had. We can also always be found on our website, www.bariatric eating.com. And once you're there, if you can just do a keyword search for podcasts, you'll find all of our episodes listed and we've got notes with links specific to each episode. For this episode, I'm going to link our Facebook group so you can come join us. I'm going to link the Inspire Diet so you can have a plan to get the weight off for good. I'm going to link the article that I mentioned that describes hunger and portion sizes and add that you should also listen to episode 17 if you're struggling with this. I'm going to also link the article that talks about muscle weighing more than fat and the truth about the scale. And I really want to remind you too that we're not just talk. Our articles, our recipes, and our website have been helping post-ops for nearly 20 years. And it'll help you too. So please come check us out. It's www.bariatriceating.com, And please don't forget to review and subscribe to our podcast so that you're always updated as soon as episodes are available. And please, if you enjoyed today's episode, pass it on to someone you think may also find it helpful. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks.